we, he, he took me out. He took me out on the water, and, you know, I'll never forget what he showed me. I didn't get a lot of opportunities to go out, but you had land all around you, and he let me steer the boat. Well, that's a big deal when you're, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old, to, to let me steer the boat. And as I started to steer, and we kind of do this, <laughs> and he pointed out at the land, and he said, you, you see that clump of trees over there on the shore? I said, yes, sir. He said, just aim for that clump of trees, just way up ahead. Don't try to steer here, you know. It applies in a car, too. You want to look down the road, and you want to, you want to see where you're going, you know, because if you try to steer from where you are and just look at where you are, you won't make it to where you're going. And this is it's all down through history. When sailors go on the sea, they sail by the stars. They would sail by, and they would still hit that little port on the other side of the ocean, even though they were on a sailboat. And it was because they had a goal in mind. They, they had a place that they were aiming for. So keep that in mind as we look at this here in Philippians. I'm going to read two verses. I'm going to try to resist the urge to read more, but we're going to read two verses and take a fit if the Lord will allow. Verse number 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but it's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, let's pray. Amen. Now, Paul talks here, and in the uh, verses before, I'm going to refrain from reading them, but in the verses before, Paul talks about he hasn't apprehended something. He hasn't achieved what he wanted to achieve. And Paul, here in, in the letter to the Philippians, and I got to studying this, and I said, man, this could be a little series here. And I think I might be preaching out Philippians for the next few weeks because there's some good insight. You know, you read pieces of Scripture, and you see, but I, here lately, the Lord's been showing me the big picture. And I see Paul in prison, and I see him writing to the church at Philippi, and he's, he's giving them reasons to rejoice and reasons to have joy in the Lord. And he gets down here to Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, and these are special verses in my life. You know, every preacher kind of latches on to some verses. When he signs a Bible, he'll put his verses in there. And at a point in my life, I, I saw these verses and I said, this is for me. He said, in 13, I'll read it again. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He hasn't achieved perfection. He hasn't gotten to the place that he wants to be in Christ. He hasn't reach that point. We're talking about Paul. We're talking about the man who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. We're talking about the man who God chose to be the apostle to the Gentiles. God had set him apart to, to write these letters to us. Hey, for people down through the centuries to read what Paul wrote and said, this is how you be a Christian. This, this is how to follow God. This is how to follow Christ. This is how to correct errors. These are the errors that will show up in the church and in life. And Paul says, I haven't attained what I want to attain. He said, I, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, and it's made up of two parts. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So, you know, in your Christian walk, there's things that plague you. I don't know about you, but 
Let me, let me talk about me for a minute. Because <laughs> I'm going to take the pressure off of you, not because I'm interested in talking about myself. But I know in my own life, there's been things, there's been times where the devil speaks to you and he tells you, you're not worthy. That may not happen to other people out here. I don't know. But there's been times when I've stepped up for the Lord and I tell you what, it feels like I get smacked down. And the devil comes around and he says, why do you think you're worthy? Look what you did way back when. Now, it's backed off a little bit now that I'm on the other side of 50. But as I was approaching 50, all going back through my mind, there would be times and it's like, why did you say that? Why did you treat that person that way? And you say, oh, he's a mean fella. Well, the Lord shows you things. The Lord begins to open your heart and you look back and you say, man, that was wrong. And you want to treat people differently. So there's regrets that take place. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. You know the past can paralyze you? Do you know that you can get so caught up in what has happened before that you won't do what you need to do to make something different happen? If you have an addiction to something, moving on from that. I I remember an illustration Brother Peacock gave. He was preaching in a church, and, and the pastor said, I want to introduce you to so-and-so. He said he was addicted to drugs. And uh, he saw the fella kind of flinch when he was introduced. And, and uh, after the pastor walked off, Brother Peacock said, well, it's very good to meet you. He said, can I ask you a question? And the man said, well, yeah. He said, how long have you been clean? He said, about 15 years. People will remind you of your past. And ask the pastor, you know, we need to let go. We need to learn to let go of our own past. Forgetting those things which are behind. And then the reason I say that, it's not forget those lessons. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying to forget those things, those times that we learn things. I'm saying we got to put those things behind us that paralyze us. Because Paul, in the next verse, he says what he's doing. And I'm going to come back to it, but in reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's got his eye on that little clump of trees. Matter of fact, he's got his eyes on the cross where Jesus died, and he's got his eyes on heaven. And he's got his eyes on the glorification that's up ahead, and he has his eyes on what Jesus has in store for him. Paul looks back. We know that he has regrets. When we look over in Acts chapter number 7, we see a young man, Stephen, one of the first deacons. And he gets to disputing with a fellow over the Bible. And, and these fellows, they, they, it says they suborn perjury, something like that. But these two fellows lie in front of the council. And they get Stephen standing in front of the council. And the high priest looks down and he says, Are these things so? I'll never forget some lines in the Bible, and I just see that priest looking down at him, and Stephen begins to preach to him, and he begins to tell him all about how God worked through Israel, how God sent Moses, how God God spoke to Abraham, how God spoke to Joseph, used Joseph to deliver Jacob and his family, and how he delivered them out of Egypt. 
And then he gets down to it. And he, he, well, let's look at it. Just can't stay away from it. Look at Acts chapter number 7. So Acts chapter number 7 starts off with, Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And Stephen starts off and he said, Man, brethren, fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Karen. And he goes on through and he begins to tell the entire story, the entire history of Israel. But look at verse number 51. Verse number 51, he's up there and he's preaching to them and he's telling them all about how God has worked through them. And he looks out and he sees these men looking at him. He sees the mean faces looking at him and he realizes this isn't working. And he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. And this is Stephen speaking in the Holy Spirit. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have now been the betrayers and murderers, who have received by the law the disposition of angels and have not kept it. And in verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Talking about the Pharisees that were present. (laughs) Verse 58, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. That young man, Saul, later became Paul. He was on the road to Damascus, and Saul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he tells us in his letters. He says that he persecuted the Christians. When they were getting mad, when they gnashed on him with their teeth, Paul was right there with them. Paul saw that young man, Stephen, look up to heaven. And he saw Stephen call for their forgiveness. And Saul was standing there and he held all the clothes so they could throw the stones at Stephen one by one. They they just threw them at him till he passed on. Till the Lord took him up into heaven. And in chapter number 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. And just for the sake of it, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Saul was water on a grease fire. Can you imagine? I can look back and think of the times when I treated somebody wrong. They're not even bad times, let me tell you that. It's just things that I did that that, that I regret as I'm older. And it's not even... I didn't hurt anybody physically. It's just the way I treated some people. It's rude words or it's rude actions that haunt me. Can you imagine in Paul's life 
as he laid down at night and maybe the devil would show him another face. Maybe the devil would show him he'd lay down to sleep and he, he can dream and he can see walking into the house with the other men behind him. And he can see them in there praying. And he could feel that anger well enough in him as he went and he snatched out the family members because they were worshiping the wrong God. And he snatches them out. Jesus had told his apostles, he said, the time will come when they'll think they're doing God a favor when they persecute you. I send you out as sheep among wolves. Saul was one of those wolves. And in that dream, he can see pulling them out. He could see the husband getting beat. He could see the tears on the wife. He could see the tears on the children. He could see the women that were taken prisoner. The families that he tore up. You imagine the devil sitting back sometimes, you know, and Paul talked about that thorn in the flesh. We always wonder, what was that thorn? Don't know. Maybe it's the devil sitting over there saying, you remember that, Paul? You think you're going to serve God? You remember what you did there? You enjoyed that, didn't you? I think Saul gets on his Paul gets on his knees and prays to God, Lord, please take this from me. He says, Thrice I prayed. I don't know if this is what it was. But Paul makes this determination when he's writing to the Philipp, Philipp, the church at Philippi, the Philippians. And he said, Forgetting those things which are behind. You know what led him to this train of thought? Go back to Philippians. Look down at chapter number, verse number one, chapter number three. Paul says, finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. In other words, if, if any man could trust in his own works to get to heaven, I'm telling you, I could. More than any of these other Jews that are coming after us. He said, I could trust in the flesh. Verse number four, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrew, and touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is the law, blameless. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. See, Paul had his eye on the mark. He had his eye on Jesus Christ. And he said, when he was talking about forgetting those things which are behind, there's some past regrets you need to let go of so you can move forward. There's also some past hurts. Somebody hurt you in your life. I I was up here and I I talked. It 
wasn't online, but you know, I, I talked about a friend of mine going to church and then things just kind of cooled down when they found out he wasn't married to the woman he was living with. And, you know, that hurt. And there's, there's times that people hurt you in your life, but you got to let go of those things. Because you put your eye on that clump of trees just over there. You see that cross, and you see where Jesus wants you to be. You put your eyes on Jesus Christ, forgetting those things which are behind. Paul had been stoned nearly to death. Paul had been beaten with, what, 39 save one stripes. Paul had spent a day and a night in the deep, in the ocean, because of shipwreck. He didn't get mad at God. He didn't get mad at the people that did it to him. His eye was on Jesus Christ. When you read this letter to the Philippians and you get in chapter number one there, he talks about those that are preaching Jesus Christ. Some of them do it to add to his affliction, to, to make it appear, to, to just create more controversy around the reason Paul's in prison. He says, I don't care whether they do it out of sincerity or whether they do it to, to add to my affliction. He said, Christ is preached. His eye was on that clump of trees. You know, before you got saved and even after you got saved, you slip up and you sin. Now, this is the dangerous part. You say, well, I've asked forgiveness for my sins. Now, and you move on and you have. It's under the blood, right? First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will forgive your sins. Past, present, future. There is forgiveness. But if you're not watching that clump of trees, you're just going to go right back to it. How sincere is that request for forgiveness if you're not watching that mark, if you're not pressing Toward that mark. <coughs> past mistakes, and we see Paul here looking back at past success. Well, there was a time, and I'm just saying this out of nowhere. You know, there was a time in my life when I, I, I went to church regular and, and things were going really good. I'm going to dig a little close to the cotton here. It was a time when, when I was real close to God, but you know, I, I've gotten a little bit away from God and I've, I've, I've kind of slipped away and I've kind of gotten away from God. You can't live off that past success. You got to be pressing toward the mark now for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's the present. Is what you do now. I was talking to a friend of mine and, and trying to help him out. And I said, it's what you do now that matters. It's what you do today that makes the difference for tomorrow. It's when you make that commitment. I've talked about it before, you know, church starts on Sunday night. Because you, you wait till Sunday morning, you'll never go. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying that's how it happens. 
You say, well, well, man, you sure are up in my chili. Well, how do you think I know these things? The Bible doesn't say anything about it. If you don't decide on Saturday night or if you don't decide that week that you're going to make it, you ain't going to make it. And that's the same with anything else that has to do with the Lord. If you don't make that commitment, if you don't say, Lord, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to make a change right now, and I'm going to follow you, and you follow through with it, it's what you do right now that makes the difference for tomorrow. You want to walk closer to the Lord? What are you doing right now to change that? You say, well, one day I'm going to be serving God, or one day I'm going to do something big for the Lord. That's not how it works. And this is just nuts and bolts. That's not how it works. What are you doing right now? You know, when God called David, and we're, and I want to invite you to Sunday school over here in the mornings. I want to invite you to Sunday school if you hadn't come. But we're looking at the differences between David and Saul. And, and David's a good lesson for this. And Joseph is a good lesson for this. Saul's a good lesson, any of them. Anytime God uses someone, it's because they were obedient in that little thing. Elijah didn't become great because he was up on the mountaintop and slew the 500 prophets of Baal. Elijah was great because he followed the Lord when the Lord said, wait by the brook. Elijah was a great prophet because he followed the Lord when the Lord said, go and see the widow of Zarephath. Go and speak to King Ahab. The calling is often found on the road to service from where you are. What do you do now? So Paul says, Verse 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. It's not just letting go of them and forgetting them. You know, learning to love yourself, learning to forgive yourself, and all that stuff. It's putting that behind you. Paul didn't get paralyzed by the memories. Paul didn't get paralyzed by the mistakes. You know how Paul ended up in prison? If you go back and study it, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but if you go back and study it and look in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter number 9, God said, I have set him apart. He'll, He'll be a witness to the Gentiles for me. If you read Paul's letters, you see his heart is toward his Jewish brethren. You'll see that his heart was toward them. He said, I, I, would, I would rather be accursed that my brethren may be saved. That's the Keith version. He would rather, he, he wished he could sacrifice himself so that his own brethren could be saved. His heart was for him. And anytime he went into a city, he preached first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles. And it didn't go real good when he was preaching to them. But then the Gentiles would get saved. I think over in Acts chapter number 23, 24, something like that, you'll see that. But there was a point at which Paul had determined to go back to Jerusalem. And two prophets, I think it was two or three times, they told him, don't go back. This is what will happen to the man that goes back. 
You'll be bound up. You'll be prison. You'll be in prison. And Paul said, I'm ready to be bound up, whatever. I, you know. But he goes back, and that's when he appeals to Caesar, and that's when he goes to the prison in Rome. And that's how he's in prison. Something else he had to put behind him. When you read the letter to the church at Philippi, you see Paul's positive outlook. You see Paul serving Christ no matter how he ended up, no matter where he goes. He said, because of my bonds, Christ is preached in the palaces. The Roman government's hearing about Jesus Christ because of me being in prison. All he cares about is pressing for that mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That'd be the one piece of paper I left. It's all a list of how we're called. We're called to be separate. We're called to serve Christ. I don't have the list in front of me, so I can't be as handy with it. But when you look throughout the Bible, you see our calling and our election. We're called to be conformed to Christ. We're called to be like Christ. So it's in our daily walk. When you're pressing toward the mark and your eyes on Jesus Christ, everything that you do lines up with that goal to be more like Christ. And we won't be completely like Christ until we've passed on from this world. But it's what you do now. So let me ask you something. As we stand, these two verses, I mean, they're, I latched on to them for my own life. I had to remind myself to forget some things, to not listen to the devil. And say, Lord, hear my, send me. He's not always had an easy time of it, I'll tell you. But every time I've listened to the Lord, I've never regretted it. Every time that I've talked to someone the Lord told me to talk to, those are the highlights of my life. Every time that I've obeyed him, those are the highlights of my life. Kind of like pastor in here. If I hadn't listened, we wouldn't be here right now. Amen. So the question is, are your eyes on that clump of trees? Are your eyes on that cross? Or are you trying to watch the waves and steer the boat? 